Welcome to episode 26 of The God Learners, a podcast uh, dedicated to reading and gaming in the mythical world of Glorantha. My name is Jörg. And I'm Lord Abdul, a.k.a. Lido. No, I do it the other way, surely. I'm Lido, a.k.a. Lord Abdul. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> and today we have not one, but two guests, uh, amazingly enough. Our first guest is uh, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hello. Who are you? What are you doing here? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I am Becca. I am a part of Iconic Production uh, Podcast, where we talk about all things 13th Age. And one of those things happens to be 13th Age Glorantha. So I, I know that name. You do know that name. Okay. Yeah, so I've I've dabbled in Glorantha a bit, a, a small, small bit. Yeah, how how much did you people play Thirteenth Age Glorantha specifically? Specifically, I've played a short adventure that lasted maybe four sessions. Ooh, yeah. um, I have been in two RuneQuest games uh, that spanned multiple years. Oh, cool! So, so you'll be able to compare and give us like some comparison yes. points. Cool, awesome. Yeah. And our other guest is, uh, he's been there before. It's Evan. Hey, Evan. Hey, Ludo. Hey, Jor. Hi to my friend, Becca. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So for those who shamefully haven't listened to our previous episode um, where you were there, uh, can you introduce yourself? I'm uh, Evan, and uh, I also, I, I'm... I'm a hanger on at Iconic Production. Uh, I am a, <laughs> I am playing a character in the season seven of the Iconic Production uh, actual play, which is uh, uh, we're showcasing uh, the uh, developing second edition rules of 13th Age. Um, I am also the co-host of uh, the Iconic Production Exploring Glorantha, along with my good friend J.M., yeah, we'll have some links in the show notes, I guess, to all the iconic production stuff, the Patreon and the YouTube channel and all that. Um, I mean, most people who listen to the God Learners podcast probably already know iconic production through your uh, YouTube show, Exploring Glorantha with JM. Um, so I think people are, are already somewhat familiar with it. But uh, we'll, today, I guess, we'll delve into, I guess, the original purpose of the iconic production stuff because i i'm pretty sure like the icon in iconic production is actually from 13th age yep aha cool um so yeah we're here to talk about 13th age glorantha um because as we all know glorantha has been featured in a lot of things uh, at first it was a board game then it was a uh, you know percentile system yeah i have the board game yes you have the board game? Yeah. Oh, wow. Which one, though? Because there were two. Great question. <laughs> keep, keep talking. I'll figure it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, she's going to get it. She, she, she's she got the board game. She, Which do you want? What is? Yeah, show us. Show us. Uh, I have a White Bear and Red Moon. Oh, my God. Yes, that's the one. That's the original one. Great. So, yeah. And all the pieces. How did you find it on eBay or something? Uh, no, my, my dad did a lot of role playing games in college, and uh, <laughs> he gifted me the Gloranthic board game and then um, some early editions of Dungeons and Dragons uh, at Christmas last year. Wow, so, yeah, <laughs> that is the best gift ever. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> it's really did cool. You, did, did you smell that uh, that that book? Because they they have like you know the old old papers, but I love it. You know, when I receive eBay things, I just smell them. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I got it. I opened it. I nerded out and like pointed out all the places on the map. And I was like, oh, I've been there. I've been there. My character, they started a revolution there. We're not going to talk about it. It went terribly, but it's fine. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yes, it's been uh, many things, uh, but it was... You know, among all those many things, there is one extra game that people might not always uh, think too much about, which is uh, 13th Age Colorata, which is, a, I guess, a source book for 13th Age. So, you know, don't do like me, folks. Don't just buy the 13th Age Colorata book thinking it's a game. No, you actually also need the 13th Age rule book. Yes, sort of. Uh, yeah, no, you, you, you need it. <laughs> but um, uh, let's say, Becca, what is 13th Age? Uh, 13th Age is a fantasy D20 game and system um, where it feels very similar to your Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, um, except a few of the different things are like you don't have skills, you have backgrounds. Um, there's the idea of failing forward. And 13th Age itself is just a much more heroic game than a lot of the other um, D100s and more heroic than RuneQuest Glorantha. Um, mm -hmm. You assume yeah. your character is going to die in RuneQuest Glorantha. Uh, they <laughs> shouldn't die as quickly in 13th Age. Right, yeah. Um, I've seen people describe 13th Age as a mix of D&D 3.5 and D&D 4, mostly because... <laughs> that's what the designers worked on and that's what mm -hmm. they say they're doing about 13th age anyway so i assume it's yeah. it's accurate <laughs> yes. but i mean the when i looked at the 13th age rulebook two things jump at me at first the first one is the tone of the writing which is a bit different than your uh usual rulebook mm -hmm. and the other is that they really wants you to be the heroes of the story and not just like another schmuck in the world that you might see in, you know, RuneQuest or, you know, I'm used to playing Call of Cthulhu where you're yeah. by definition supposed to be just a random schmuck who's in the wrong place at the wrong time. But no, 13th Age, they really want you to be like this bombastic hero that does uh, lots of stuff and there's lots of designer's notes. And can you talk about that um how it works in play and how how the tone of the book also affects uh how you play it oh yeah um so yeah if you were to compare again like 13th age to glorantha uh, runequest glorantha or call of cthulhu yes you are the big hero um in 13th age and if you compare like stats with D&D 5th edition, you're much closer to a 5th level character when you start at level 1. Um, <laughs> you have a few more hit points. You're just a little bit better um, than a level 1 character in D&D. &D. So yeah, you start out as a hero. Um, and so yeah, you're supposed to go out and you're supposed to do great things. One of the reasons for that is your iconic relationships um, there are 13 icons in 13th Age. You'll notice the number 13 comes up a lot, um, <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah. Um, there's 13 icons that all have some sort of influence on the world, and you are related to them in some sort of capacity, whether it is you serve them, 
you know of them, they saved you, and you can use these great grand beings of the world to influence your character and how your character is made. Yeah. What what is an icon? Is is it a god or a demigod in the world or it's not quite a god. Um it's it's the big movers and shakers of the world, the big influencers. Um the emperor is an icon. He's not quite a god, but he has a lot of power and resources behind him. Um the great druid who lives in the woods and is seeking to actively bring down civilization is one of the great icons. The Diabolist, Crusader, Orc Lord. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So ba- ba- basically for Glorantan comparison, uh, it's like the Red Emperor, Zabur. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I mm-hmm. think that none of those icons are really, I mean, some of them are a bit more evil or a bit less more good than others but there there's no real good versus evil like there's not like you know six good icons and seven bad icons but Mm -hmm. it's more like each of them could have their own agenda really right yeah and um speaking of how the book was written uh 13th age itself rob and jonathan the two authors and creators and designers of 13th age really went into this going it's your world Nothing has to work the same way it does in our world. So the emperor, a lot of people often think of as, okay, somebody who is going to be caring about how the dragon empire works and how everything runs. Or is he really just looking to find a lost source of power and he will exploit all the people of the empire in order to get it? Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, yeah, you have the orc lord coming in from the north seems like a terrible person raiding, pillaging, destroying behind him, or is he coming to liberate all the monsters of the empire in order to save them and bring them home again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your choice. <laughs> really. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, and yeah, the, the way that the, um, that Robin Jonathan wrote the book is like very conversational. There's mm-hmm. a lot of little jokes. There's a, it, it addresses the reader directly. There's lots of designer notes where even sometimes they disagree between each other and they say like, oh, you know, in Rob's campaign, he does that, but I don't do that and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, it's, it's very um, like lighthearted and really trying to get the reader to do whatever they want with the, with the book, really. Yes. So let's talk a bit about the very unique things. Haha, <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> people will understand in a minute. Uh, that 13th Age does and that possibly not very many other games do. Um, that first might be interesting to somebody who might say, oh yeah, I'm going to check out this game actually. Mm-hmm. Or conversely, that you can easily steal uh for for your game so let's start with the one unique thing yes uh one unique things uh they are the thing that sets your person your hero apart from everyone else and it can be super big and important and have a major impact on the way the story is played or you can make it simple and small but it will probably grow as your character increases in levels from just an adventure to a champion to an epic tier hero Mm-hmm. Yeah, Evan had mentioned he was in the playtest with Iconic Production, um, as am I. 
And my character, I'm trying to remember, um, her one unique thing is she is the last surviving like member and heir to the Green Thumb Dukedom, I think is what it is. And it because it was swallowed by a hellhole. Okay. And so she's the last, <laughs> she's the last one. Yeah. Um so they say, yeah, you, you can be sort of like Aragorn, where mm-hmm. you are just like some random uh, ranger or whatever, but you say, I am also the heir of so-and-so, and I've got the broken sword of whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and then Evans is super unique. Yeah, Evan. <laughs> so, so yeah, so my character, Harrier, in the playtest, um, <clears throat> has something that he doesn't know what it is, that either can destroy one of the icons, the Lich King, or restore the Lich King to his former glory as the <laughs> Wizard King. Um, and whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, whether or not, you know, so that so the one unique thing is sort of a, this is what I want my character's story to be about in in the in the grand scheme of things right. the, uh, this is my contribution uh, this is my gift to the the game master mm-hmm. to you know drop clues and cause terrible things to happen and to have people show up uh, that that have claims on me etc mm-hmm. all because of my one unique thing it's not a power it's not something you pull out in combat and say ah but i can do this yeah. it is it's a story thing that yeah. that helps build the campaign and helps invest the character in uh in in the action so basically you could be uh, could claim i am arca reborn mm-hmm. sure yeah. So that that absolutely uh that absolutely would be, you know, a in uh 13th Age Galantha a a one unique thing although interestingly of course, you know, often rallios there's a bunch of people claiming to be the Arcat re- reborn but maybe you're the Not real exactly Arcat unique reborn. it's 105 yeah. <laughs> oh but they're all the false Arcats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And I think the rulebook has indeed a bit of like guidance as to what's a good one unique thing because yeah, you can't say like, oh, I have the only plus 20 sword. No, no, no that's so it has to be more of a story hook. Uh, and it's a thing that's super easy to steal for another game because it's just like you add that to character creation. Okay, you know, tell me why your character is unique. Uh, how, however, because when you have like, I don't know, a party of five characters and five players, and each one has their own unique thing. And, you know, one is the heir of the lost kingdom of whatever one is might, uh, you know, destroy the Lich King. How how does it play in practice when the game master has these five, like, potentially big world changing hooks? And it's like you can only follow one at a time, right? So how, how does that work? Um, usually it, it does rely a little bit on the players at, like, allowing the story to be part like there's at some part and others at other parts um Mm -hmm. and it also helps actually the game master out a lot from going okay i have 13 icons to all right i know i'm gonna have to focus on the lich king because of evan's character and i'm probably gonna have to focus on the diabolist because of becca's character and her town being swallowed by a new hellhole okay cool well what do those two icons have in common and can I like bring about a storyline where these characters discover this grand scheme? Mm. It could kill two birds with one stone, or it's just kind of one of those things where 
we'll take care of Becca's first and then go on to Evans. Um, Evans feels like a very much an end of campaign. Are you going <laughs> yes. to place this thing yeah. in slot A or in slot B? Um, mm-hmm. Whereas maybe my one unique thing dealing with a hellhole is going to be kind of mid-campaign. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I think it does help a game master give a path yeah. for the game. But how does that work if you want to play with uh, pre-written adventures? Oh, actually fairly easily, because um, as you guys mentioned, the 13th Age books and adventures are done in such a conversational tone and give you so many options that it will be, here's this adventure. Who are your main icons influencing it? Here are some ideas on how they are specifically influencing this adventure and they'll usually give three or four ideas for each icon mm. in every adventure slash campaign to help you out. Um, so uh, not to toot my own horn, but I did some writing for Pelgrane Press. Toot, toot. Uh, oh, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah uh, for the Koru Behemoths book um, that's coming out mm-hmm. at some point. Hall just was released. The Behemoths is the next one. And in it, I gave a place and a time and a moment in the world of the Dragon Empire. And I said, okay, this thing is happening. The Behemoths are dying. Here's how it would benefit or hurt each of the 13 icons. So if you're interested in this and you need this icon to get involved, here's how and why. Mm -hmm. Cool. And to add to that because it's uh maybe actually a little bit more involved um and it relates to when we're going to talk about 13th age Clorenta specifically but with the icons mm-hmm. i think like um i don't remember if it's every session or every adventure but i think you also roll to see which icon is going to be narratively involved somehow in in this next leg of the story right and so you you might have suddenly the you know the golden dragon or whatever it is who uh, rears his head and gets involved somehow in the in the story for this um this adventure right mm-hmm. and uh as a game master luckily you don't have to do the hard thinking for that yeah your players roll their icon relationships and they'll let you know this session i have like my relationship with the Diabolus, which is a negative relationship, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm mad at her. Um, <laughs> comes up. And so it's not so much that the Diabolus will necessarily show up, but something attached to the Diabolus, I can spend this relationship point on. So maybe we're stuck outside a door and none of us can read what is written on the door. And I might say, you know what? I'm going to spend my icon relationship as someone who has long been antagonistic towards her um, and has sought ways to break her down, like bring her down. I have studied a whole lot of languages and I am able to read this because it is in abyssal. Mm -hmm. And I kind of spend that point, that relationship to make something narratively happen. Yeah. And sometimes it's complicated and the GM will chuckle. If you've ever heard JM Defogie laugh, it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you you messed up. Um, <laughs> and and they can use it to complicate the situation. Like, oh, yes, you are able to read it. And as you read it out loud, you summon a demon or something. Right, like that. yes. Or it has no complications and it works just the way you intend. Congratulations. <laughs> you did well. Yeah. 
And I think this ties a bit into what people might not know about 13th Age is that for an, you know, an F20 game with, you know, classes and powers and lots of crunch of uh, all your abilities and all that, it also has like a fair number of really like narrative mechanics yeah. like this. Yeah, mm -hmm. this, this sounded like straight out of fate. Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I know that one, one fun mechanic that, uh, I've seen people steal liberally, uh, liberally from, which I think isn't even in the rule book. I think it's in the, um, uh, game master screen book is the montage, um, montage technique for when you need to just go through, you know, half a dungeon in, in, in just like 15 minutes. Um, do you want to talk a bit about that one? Because it's fun, I think, and it's also easily stealable. Oh, yes, it definitely is easily still stealable. I have definitely stolen montages when unique things and failing forward for so many games. Cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, montage, you want to get through the dungeon or through the caves in the Underdark. And as a game master, you don't really want to have to plot each point. Um, so instead, you turn to your players and you say, okay, I need you to come up with a problem that your group encounters and the person next to you will solve it. And you don't always have to spend like abilities or spell slots or things on solving the problem unless the game master decides, okay, that's a really big ask. Go ahead and spend a spell slot for that. Um, but typically, you don't spend things and it's a way for you to show how is your character so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and yeah. And then it go and then yeah, the next person who solves it then sets up the next problem and mm -hmm. then the next person solves it and it goes around mm -hmm. until you go around the table and like it says in the title it's a sort of a montage like you mm -hmm. might see in the, like the training montage in yes. <laughs> and failing forward I think has become like very a very general technique mm -hmm. but some of our most uh you know bearded uh listeners <laughs> might not have really uh caught on to that so can you also speak a bit about that uh yeah um jonathan and rob when they were designing 13th age were looking at how a lot of times in other games they were playing if you didn't roll high enough you just kind of got stuck mm -hmm. um you, you don't roll well enough to pick that lock on the door bummer yeah, you can't stuff. get through. <laughs> and it caused a lot of frustration, both on like game masters and players part, because it's asking the game master, okay, well, what are you going to do now? And players, well, look at that. You're supposed to be a big hero, but you're constantly failing. Um, and so the idea isn't you never succeed, but it's you succeed with complications. Uh, you're trying to get through that door. You don't roll high enough. Well, the door opens and on the other side are orcs waiting for you yeah. because they listen to you fumble around on the lock for a while yeah or or you break the lock and the guard will notice it the next time he passes by or, mm -hmm. or you make noise yeah um yeah it's 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 also been a big problem for investigative games like call of cthulhu where mm -hmm. if you can't find the clue then you're stuck also and funnily enough again pelgrin press uh, did uh, the gumshoe system mm -hmm. where it's like no you all automatically get the clues but um but also you can also just play Call of Cthulhu with a fail forward yeah. Yeah. Uh, attitude. But yeah, it's it, those are all very uh, useful techniques. Mm -hmm. uh, but 13th Age is also a F20 game where there's a lot of combat. So let's talk a bit about the combat. Let's get Evan to talk a bit about the escalation die, which is less stealable 
per se, but you can steal the concept of it. And I've seen the same concept in other games, like, you know, Warthrop has the advantage that goes up, uh, etc. But yeah, Evan, talk about the escalation die. So the escalation die is the idea that that uh, the momentum in a fight builds over time. So uh, the way the mechanic works is that it, the first round of combat, the escalation die is not active. But then in the second round, um, you're using a, a die six, and the, the the second round of combat, the escalation die is at a one, which means that the players um, get plus one to their attacks. Um, and then in the subsequent round, it goes to two, and they get plus two, and then um, you know the maxing out at, at plus six. So it it helps speed the combat so that there's not just a hey the big heroes. You know, all through the combat, they just miss. They just miss. They roll badly. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's giving them a, a boost. You know, the, the heroes are are getting up, getting into sync, getting into their combat rhythm uh, and, and whatnot. And it does not add to anything other than the attack rolls unless somebody has a special power, a feat, or something. The monsters don't get to use it unless... They're like a special monster, like dragons. They get they get it because they're super scary, and uh, you know different things revolve around like denying the the escalation die to uh, the the player characters, such as like a fear power, like oh I'm now I'm 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 afraid, so my you know my my adrenaline is down. I can't use the escalation die, and you know so to make monsters. You know, scarier, more frustrating, and uh, you have to think tactically around that. And then, as a as a game mechanic, it also allows you to key certain things in. Say you've set up a a scene. You know, at, when the escalation die reaches three, certain some something is triggered, something positive or maybe something negative. You know, reinforcements show up, the monsters get tougher, uh, etc. Um, you know, a gate opens up and, uh, you know, something something comes through um, or or you're in danger of being sucked through the gate. And so it allows you to build the tension in uh, the combat beyond just like, OK, well, we hit them and they hit us next round. We hit them. <laughs> you know. So it, it helps build more dynamism into uh, the, the scene. Now, obviously, uh porting this to to other systems is um on the one hand it's easy you know you have a certain level that it will go up over a certain period of time and it and it it helps the the uh the player character so it 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 uh, speeds combat and it and it yeah, allows like you, like you you get plus 10% to your role in rune quest cumulatively yeah something like that yeah but on the other hand all of the other sort of special triggers and things you'd have to, you know, tack on. And it, it, it's it's not built into the default assumptions of monster design uh, or encounter design, etc. But it, it can be it can be done. Yeah, because like in like the both the player abilities and the monster abilities, there's a lot of stuff like, you know, if the escalation die is odd, then you have this. Or if the escalation die reaches this, then this power triggers and they summon monsters. And so, yeah, you, would, right. you would have to do this work if you needed to port that to another game. Yeah. So, sounds a bit like the old, the dragon is going to breathe in five melee rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. 
there's a a few other interesting things around combat. Um, I think Jörg, you had something. Uh, yes, uh, one thing that I observed in uh, 13H uh, game, I sat in, but uh, sadly didn't get a chance to play, was that the GM didn't roll for any uh, NPC damage, but simply uh, deducted straight damage. Yeah, monsters have fixed damage in 13th Age, which is which is interesting. Um, which is interesting, but uh, basically uh, tells you in the next hit I'm uh, going to die if, if it hits. <laughs> and I don't have any parry or anything to prevent that. Mm-hmm. Well, in 13th Age, you can always run away. That's one of the things that's built into the, the system is that you, you, you have a, a negative story uh, result, but you can always flee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so that's, uh, that's something. Um, on the other hand, it, it is a, a less lethal game in that, yes, you're going to go down. But uh, it's very hard to, to be one shot killed. You you get death saves again. You're heroic. You're yeah. Uh, in and in the Thirteenth Age Glorantha, you know it's it's assumed that you're already like a very senior initiate or a or a, a god talker or a or a rune level. You know at first or second second level, and then you're going up from there because again, it's the, this focus on a more cinematic heroic uh, experience. So basically, basically, you might already know the back door from hell. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there is a whole rule of heroic return uh, built into Thirteenth Age Glorantha yeah. as well. So that's, that's already in the Dragon Pass or White Bear Red Moon board game. Indeed, that they they're just learning again from the master. Greg Stafford invented everything, <laughs> and, and, and we're just repurposing it. Yeah, and it, it's actually um, very interesting to me how. When you read 13th Edge Florentha, you recognize a lot of it, but it's modeled in a whole new way and it's presented in a whole new way that feels refreshing. It's like it's familiar, but it's new also. Uh, but just before we go on to 13th Edge Florentha, there's a couple of things I want to note about 13th Age, the basic game, which are also worth uh, looking into. Uh, for the heroic feel, of the game, uh, I saw that in many cases, when you get up in levels with your abilities and all that, uh, even if you miss the roll, you actually uh, you still actually deal some minimum damage. For example, so you, it's not like oh you miss, you don't do anything, just keep your turn and whatnot. So no, you still deal a minimum of damage. So again, that feels a bit better. Uh, and one thing that was nice is that there is a whole chapter of advice on uh, building battles and designing encounters and you know how many monsters roughly you should get i mean of course it's easier with a level based system as opposed to a you know skill based system like runequest but it's still nice and it's 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 interesting to read okay yeah well um uh, while we're at it uh, how do non combat specialists fare in battle are there any non-combat specialists? <laughs> uh, in 13th Age Glorantha, there actually is one. But in 13th Age itself, um, as long as you're in the core books, uh, the core book and um, Path of True Ways, mm-hmm. I think they all have really strong combat abilities. Um, some of the other slightly removed, more third-party books have a few. Um, if you ever get into... Uh, dark packs and something else, and it's completely spacing me right now. Um, the Fate Weaver 
is a class that doesn't do a lot of combat, but manipulates the game itself, mm, which is an nice. interesting one. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I mean, you could you could argue that some things like what is it like maybe the bard aren't really combat specialists, but they they're combat support. Like mm-hmm. they 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 can you know give bonuses and stuff like that to the other people. So in some way, they're still combat specialists. I yeah. think that's right. Um, I mean, it, it, it is an F20 game, which, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, the, 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 uh, the template is about fighting monsters. But, uh, I think we do have some models, uh, and 13th Age Glorantha gives us one uh, that, that I think we'll talk about because it's a particularly interesting design, um, and some other third party. And, uh, although, um, moving into 13th Age Lorantha 2, uh, Jonathan and, and Rob uh, still haven't figured out how to model a Chilano Roy healer as a player character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's not in the list of classes, yes. <laughs> it's, it's a challenge, it's a challenge, you know, to have a pacifist built on the model of a character design that is for fighting monsters. <laughs> So yeah, let's talk about Thirsting Stage Glorenta and fighting monsters, because of course, the first thing is to make Glorenta into a, a sandbox for fighting monsters. And so they opted for a slightly different campaign framework than the classic hero wars and it's like meta plot and politics and, and whatnot. And they said like, actually, let's not quite go there. Let's go with chaos. Chaos Rises is the is the framework and it's the idea that that I mean, uh, I mean, we do have to say that when Thirteenth Age Glorantha got kickstarted, they also, as a as an additional book, you know, created the it it, it spurred the creation of the the Glorantha source book. Yes. And so you know, so it's sort of like say thank you to Thirteenth Age. That's thank exactly. You. Um, so the you know the source book gives you like the whole the hero wars and and all of the details and stuff. And the Thirteenth Age is like okay, that's great, and you can use that. But here's our framework, um, which is you know, okay post Dragon Rise sort of you know there's a conflict going on, but the world is breaking, and so chaos is invading. And so the idea is you know you need to pull disparate heroes together to 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 stop the the world from falling apart and it's something separate from the you know the geopolitical struggle between the resurgent kingdom of sartar and the 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 lunar empire it's hey but there's some other things going on like there's this you know huge scorpion queen uh, down in the south called Gagax Tubarb, and the uh, chaos is boiling out of Snake Pipe Hollow and the, uh, any number of other places. And uh, we also need some heroes to take care of that. So as with sort of the philosophy of 13th Age, it's like you don't have to do anything that we are sketching out here. It's just a suggestion, and you can weave it in different ways. But what they offer is this idea of of uh, heroes banding together to try to patch the world together and and hold it together so the hero wars thing can happen uh, in the in the in the first place, and that's what they orient. For example, their uh, approach towards hero quests and all of that. I assume that. 
especially for Evan, who is a big Glorenta nerd. I assume that when you play 13th Age Glorenta, you still end up having a bunch of hero wars and, you know, and Kalir and uh, Argrath and all that, but, um, or maybe not, or maybe is that how you sort of like clear your head and you go like, let me ignore this complicated meta plot and let me just fight chaos and, and, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, I mean, so I've I, I've uh, I've done thirteenth Glorantha sort of on, on two paths. One is just on more introductory sort of scenarios of of showing it off to people, which is definitely you know using some of the introductory scenarios. There's uh, one called the Next Valley Over, which is basically yeah, chaos destroyed the the your a neighboring community, and you have to go figure out what it is. Uh, and then the Horn of Snake by Apollo, which is in the, the rule book itself, mm-hmm. um, which is has a combination of, you know, real world or, you know, mundane world adventure and then a, a, a hero quest uh, also related to chaos rising out of Snake by Apollo. And then the, the other focus has been on my on my little side project that I thought <laughs> was, you know, that, that uh, was, was was no big deal. And, and we're going to talk about this when it's uh, when it's more realized in, uh, in sometime uh, in, in another episode but but suffice to say uh, i've been play testing various aspects of a uh, a future publication called red moon and warring kingdoms which is set far away from dragon pass it is a it is a it is a setting and uh supplement uh with uh, with rules for for uh, lunar based characters but not a- outside of the Lunar Empire and in the far western area of Fresnella. So, um, so I've done a lot more running of things there, and I have sort of my parallel to um, Chaos Rises, which is the problem of the Kingdom of War um, in in Fresnella, um, uh, which is sort of the existential threat. Um, which is sort of distracting everybody from, hey, the Hero Wars have started. But the first thing that we've got is a a new country that has appeared that just wants to spread war everywhere and either enslave, kill, or enlist every person in Fresnella. So, <laughs> um, so, but yes, it it has been a way to sort of step away from the the sort of big storyline of uh, you know what's going on in Pavis and what's going on. In, uh, in you know between Sartar and the Lunar Empire and uh, and and sort of back to the feeling of when I was playing in uh, RQ two back in the the ancient days when you know you just send people up to Balazar and and yes there are some lunars and stuff but really it's more the the local adventures and and uh, dangers that are up there yeah 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 sandbox yes. The sandbox of dungeons, uh, um, yeah. and actually, like in in terms of like places to go in Glorantha, it's interesting that basically the uh, the chapter in Thirteen Age Glorantha that describes Glorantha to people is actually organized by rune. It's like here are the chaos places, and so you've got you know Snake Bike Polo, Lance the Sprint, whatever, uh, and then you've got I don't know disorder places. Like uh, I don't remember what what's in the disorder one. There's the big rubble, 
the Rockwood Mountain, I'm not sure why, that there's like dragon nude places, uh, earth strongholds, like copper caves. And... Eternal battle? Uh, I don't know if there's any eternal battle. Uh, oh, there's some undead. But anyway, the <laughs> it's an interesting way to present the world almost like an open world game you know where you have like little icons here you know here you have this kind of mission and here you have this kind of mission and uh, actually one of our uh listeners uh who's hi who's uh even pointing out that there is a uh i think it's towards the end of the book there is actually a map of dragon pass and prax that doesn't have any labels on it even so that you can sort of if you want, just put random stuff and ignore what what is canon. Yeah, it's. I find I found that an interesting way to present the world, especially if you don't know much else about Clorenta, because then that sort of allows you to even like start from first principle, like restart from scratch. You just mentioned uh, runes as if they were icons, and I guess uh, that's one of the big differences, isn't it? Yeah, so I think we could address that. So. Um, in the original 13th age, uh, it's this idea of icons, uh, important individuals, and uh, they could have ported that into Glorantha by making Jariel and the Red Emperor and Argrath, etc., as icons. But instead, they 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 identified, I think, properly that the that the thing that really connects people to the world are not these personalities that in some ways, even though they're incredibly powerful, are more transitory. And, and what's more fundamental are the runes. And so instead of having a relationship with an icon, uh, you have a relationship with uh, several runes that dominate your um, your life, your personality. And, and of course, we see that in, in uh, RuneQuest Glorantha. Uh, but this is simplified. Typically, you have an association with three runes. At least one of them should be tied to the sort of character class slash deity that you're, uh, you're linked to. Uh, and then the others may, uh, may be more you know, wild cards and other things that are going to have influence over your your existence right so when we talked about like the icons from the base game and you know you roll to see which of your relationships with which icon will be involved in play here you basically roll to see which rune is going to be involved which rune is like empowered and whatnot let's let's make becca talk a bit um can you talk a bit about how that works because that's that might be something that you know you might steal for another game so yeah how, how does that work actually the the narrating a rune chapter i had to reread like two or three times to really understand how it works <laughs> oh dear i don't know if i'll be able to do much better um <laughs> But I can certainly try. So, yes, uh, similar to 13th Age and 13, uh, and the icon relationships, you have three of them, and they can be positive, neutral, or negative, or conflicting, I guess. Um, in Glorantha, 13th Age Glorantha, um, you have runes, uh, two of which need to be connected to your god, and then one is your wild card, which you can then double up or double down on one of the previous runes. And in playing uh, Rune Quest Glorantha, we use runes in order to support skills, 
And also when the game master wants to make sure you're playing in line with your character. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in this case, the runes can be part of your personality if you would like to use them that way. But it's used by the player in order to facilitate a storytelling mechanic, unlike in RuneQuest, where it's a very like combat-centered mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't necessarily get a plus three to your sword attack when you call mm-hmm. on your air rune. Yeah. Um, but you you can use your rune in a more storytelling way to say, okay, this is how I use my sword in order to really draw on this rune. So it's more of a storytelling versus core mechanics. Yeah, at least they they do offer, you know, a couple examples for each rune, which is yes. which is really great. If you have the air rune, for example, then it's like you go and make a big speech in front of your clan to motivate them to, you know, go and uh, uh, go to war against these new chaos monsters that have come out. And you can describe that, yeah, the wind picks up and everybody gets riled up and they bang their shields and all that. And, and everybody's like super motivated and, and then, yeah, they agree to follow you. So it's, it's more of a, yeah, a, a circumstantial thing or a story mm-hmm. beat or something like that. Um, which is, which is interesting because like mostly what comes to mind to me mostly is that you get this in 13th age Lorentha. The whole, like, mm-hmm. you know, I use my air rune to do something cool that is atmospheric and mm-hmm. uh, and add some, like, mood. And you get that also in Hero Quest, Clorenta, or Quest Worlds, or whatever, where everything is narrative. But mm-hmm. technically, like, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes right now, in rune quests, you can't. Like, if you need to, you know, have some wind pick up, it's like, no, you have to spend a rune point to cast, uh, to cast like increase wind and whatnot. And it's like, uh, I just yeah. want it to look cool. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and it's interesting to me that, yeah, 13th Age does that just the way uh, Hero Quest does it. Yeah, it's, it's really helping you be the big hero in, in your own story of I can yeah. use this to make the narrative focus on me in this way. Yeah. And of course, like nothing prevents you from using that kind of stuff in the rune quest. Yeah. Uh, if and you actually, yeah. Especially not when you're on a hero quest and calling upon a rune has uh, some rather different consequences. You mean the hero questing rules that we still don't have for rune quest? Uh- <laughs> yeah. Uh, the hero questing, which I have done uh, with and without rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, if if you lift your head from the RuneQuest rulebook a bit and look around, then yeah, you 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 might go like, oh yeah, let's do that the thing that that other game does. And yeah, if you roll on your air rune in RuneQuest Glorenta, you could say like, okay, you know, I'm gonna narrate that the wind picks up and I look awesome and my cape is flapping in the wind, and uh, yeah. and the GM should not tell you that you can't do that. Yeah, I am Storm Incarnate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Uh and yeah I th- I think that's uh that's uh one cool thing that you can also uh, uh steal. Yeah. Yes. One thing that I like with the character classes in 13th Age Lorenta and I think it's probably the same in basic 13th Age is that first they start 
with a little gameplay blurb that tells you what you do gameplay wise with this class and whether you might like it or not the um Actually, the blurb for the trickster class is hilarious. Mm-hmm. People should read that one. It's it's great. Uh, but generally speaking, yeah, it tells you, like, if you want to play this kind of stuff, take this class. And if you don't want to play that, whatever. So this is great. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about character classes. Well, I mean, let's talk about the trickster class first, because it's the, <laughs> it's the I mean, it, it's a very unique uh, approach it's definitely a class that's not for everyone, but it, the the it is the idea. I, you know, I think one of the things that we've heard from uh, Jeff about uh, Yermol and the Yermol cult in the Lightbringers book, which I haven't got to yet, but he said, <laughs> you know, it's going to make it, you know, really playable and everything. But I think Jonathan and Rob got there first in terms of making a trickster class um, that mm-hmm. that really works. Now it's doesn't describe every trickster, every follower of Yermol. Um, and that's not the the point. It's to give a role for a, a heroic uh, tr- trickster. But, you know, I described it as, um, because uh, early on, uh, JM ran a game and I played the trickster. And, uh, you know, everybody else is in Beowulf or the Iliad. And I'm in Monty Python and the Holy <laughs> Grail or, or Life of Brian. <laughs> And and that is the the kind of existence you have as the trickster. The trickster's all of the powers and things that the trickster does helps the other heroes look more heroic and causes pain and embarrassment and uh, and danger to the trickster. Yeah, it's like you're, you're the scapegoat or the yes, or the, absolutely. The, you 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 fumble and tumble, mm-hmm. but somehow that helps the like you look ridiculous and uh, you probably embarrass the other players, but you also give them bonuses, so that's why they keep you around. That's um, right. For example, there are. Uh, there's a power for the trickster where you, if somebody rolls a, uh, I think a natural one, so a critical failure, a fumble, you can take it on you and they can re-roll, but then your next roll is a, is a fumble. And, um, or there are other things like you can give them critical hits in some cases, but again, like it's at the cost to you, but yeah, it, it really felt like a trickster class in that way, in a way that you can also see what's the advantage of it yeah mm-hmm. now not everybody wants to to do that i mean you're everybody else is playing a big damn hero and you're playing a big damn fool but yeah. Yeah. in in a way that really uh helps the uh uh the party and uh, like you said the party wants to have them around because for example in the the game that i played you know the humakti has a has a there's a there's a power that the humakti character class can take which basically allows you to attack and if you hit then you get to attack again and hit and then you get to attack again and uh the first roll was a miss and so the power was just wasted and i'm like ah but wait no perhaps you hit and uh and then i had to do something you know ludicrous it's like oh i'm going to help and uh you know and uh my character shouted uh because we're trying to run up this uh artificial mound that was built with stones and stuff and i said i'll say the magic word parkour and then i ran headlong into the stones 
um, you know, it had to take a certain amount of damage and everything. But, you know, the Humaki, you know, carved up the bad guys. Um, and so everybody was like, well, that was awesome. Yeah, and, it's like a, uh, a, com so, a comic relief board, mm -hmm. basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which um, actually brings me to the important question, not for me, but for many of our listeners. Can you play a duck? Yes. <laughs> yes, you, you can. can. Duck trickster. Yes. Yeah. So the... So we'll, we'll we'll swerve over to um, to the described ancestries or or cultures, uh, races, lesser races, etc. So what's described in the book are humans of different cultural backgrounds, um, which give certain bonuses and stuff. Dark trolls and mm -hmm. ducks. Yeah. And the the interesting thing about the the ducks are that uh, the the sort of Special power, you can either have the grim death-dealing duck power, or you can have the comic relief uh, kind of wacky duck power. Uh, you get to pick one uh, or the uh, or the other, and it, it supports that, you know, very, very well. Uh, there's a great old actual play actually with sort of a, a goofy duck who is also playing a trickster, which is a, a, a hilarious... <laughs> hilarious uh actual play that really shows off how how much fun that that combination was but the for example in the play that i was talking about the humakti was a duck with a with a big sword and you know grimly chopping down the the opposition uh with a little help from the the trickster mm -hmm. so yes Play a duck. The uh, you know there haven't been any official expansions, but there's been a lot of, of uh, fan work, and of course the supplement that I'm working on will provide for uh, for for other options as well. Uh, focus again on Fresnella, but m many of the things that appear in Fresnella, such as uh, Aldriami and and Mastali, where uh, Tagi. Your your book adds like more lunar character classes, for example, and and right. things like that. But it also seeks to to expand the the number of sort of uh, ancestral backgrounds that you can uh, play as well. So um, yeah, the Thirteenth Age Goliath is a huge book, and yet Glorantha is so big. <laughs> that that it, it it just gives you a slice, but yeah. Um, well, to, to be fair, yeah. with an F twenty game, the you know half the book has to be all the classes and all the feats and powers. So, <laughs> but actually, this I is mean, fair to me. One like if you're looking for something to plunder from Thirteenth Age Clorenta, the book, this is it. Actually, to me, this is the all the power, the feats, and the things from the classes because they make great ideas for uh hero quest gifts and other boons and blessings that mm -hmm. you can get in you know hero quest glorenta or, or rune quest there's lots of great ideas in there just looking at both the character class powers and mm -hmm. you know uh there's the the powers and the f uh, features or whatever it's called and also there is actually even a chapter on hero quest gifts by rune like you know air rune hero questing gifts and uh, earth rune hero questing gifts and there's lots of cool stuff like uh for example uh if you're a humakti and you're the last fighter standing you get bonuses to fight all by yourself to uh, slice off the last one while everybody flees if you're an earth priestess once per combat, 
you look somebody in the eye who's trying to chop you down and you give your charisma bonus as a penalty to their attack. I mean, there's lots of great mm-hmm. ideas like that in there. And um, frankly, I invite everybody to at least get the PDF and just plunder all that stuff for really cool extra little spells, blessings, etc., etc. Uh, one I like actually for the Earth Priestess also is the once per combat, uh, everybody's standing on the ground, like on, on, on dirt, on earth, they get stuck for a round. They can't move. Well, they can move their arms, but they can't move their feet. Yeah. So yeah, lots of great, great ideas in there. Uh, so yeah, I love it. But this leads me to one other thing is that you've got all those powers and some of the powers are even like stuff like um, for the Hell Mother, like the uh, Dark Troll Priestess or even the Earth Priestess. There's a lot of classes that play not as direct combat, but as lots of summoning spells. So it's mm-hmm. like you're the Earth Priestess, you're standing back, looking everybody, you know, like um, with a, a stinky eye, and you invoke a whole bunch of spirits, Earth Elemental and stuff like that. And I feel like this makes for a more magical and more bombastic Glorantha where, you know, you've got skeletons sprouting out of the ground. Again, like the resource economy is different. Like in RuneQuest to do any one of those things, it's like one rune point, two, five rune points, you know, summoning and controlling a spirit is expensive in RuneQuest. Uh, but you just do it like this in 13th mm-hmm. Age. So it makes Glorantha just more awesome. Mm-hmm. So I've, have you actually thought about the difference in how Glorenta looks and feels between different rule sets, basically. Uh, I mean, I definitely have that. Um, the uh, RuneQuest Glorantha um, is, is so very simulationist in, you know, the, we've got the hit locations and the percentages and stuff. And you know, I love it. I've loved it since the, the eighties when I started with RQ2, but 13th Age Glorantha is a different way to uh, to experience it. It is more, I, I think, again, again, heroic, cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, Somebody said it's like the uh, Saturday morning cartoon version of Glorantha. I mean, yeah. may, maybe <laughs> it could be that. I, I mean, in some ways that uh, makes it a little bit more, uh, you know, it could be more the anime version of, uh, yeah. of, uh, yeah. of Glorantha yes. too. Yeah. 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 So, so we can have some adult... Uh, <laughs> content there um i mean we are chopping off monsters after all Um, (laughs) and uh yeah the combat feels very different uh there's some things that the the 13th age does uh, just in general you know it's it's off the grid uh it's it's more free-flowing in terms of the 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 movement and uh, as you said you know casting spells and and uh, it, making invocations and things of that nature are just are bigger and less sort of constructed like like you could achieve a lot of these things in the like the RuneQuest Glorantha rule set but it's like okay well I'm casting multi spell and I'm using this and I'm and having those building blocks you know, are, are, are interesting and it's a, it's, a, it's one approach to the game and the world. Um, but then, you know, having a power or a spell that just does that 
and, and achieves it is, is a different experience and is a different kind of fun. I don't want to say the other one is, is not fun. Figuring out how to use your, <laughs> your powers and skills and things in RuneQuest Glorantha is, is one we're, way. We're, we're going to receive angry letters if you say RuneQuest is fun. <laughs> it is fun. I, I'm running two RuneQuest campaigns and, uh, you know, I, I do love it. But, but uh, I mean, you know, when, yeah. when you say that RuneQuest is more simulationist, mm -hmm. it's, it's only half of the equation because it could also simulate a Glorantha where an Earth... Uh, Arnaldo initiate routinely invokes like five earth elementals in the combat, but it doesn't. It models yeah. a Glontha where you might just summon one in a combat. And that's still like they chose to simulate that sort of Glorantha and not the other sort of Glorantha where you get. Well, yeah. not quite. I mean, uh, you have this in uh, RuneQuest 2 with Room Masters, mm -hmm. where you had this kind of character with uh, Zeus of Spirits enabling them to do just uh, what uh, 13th-age Glorantha does. Uh, you're still limited by your charisma and you're limited by how many rune points you have. Like here, a lot of the powers are just like, you know, once a day, once a battle, and then boom, you can go again, right? So it's, I feel like it's still a different, a slightly different Glorantha. No, Becca? Well, I will say uh, once per battle, spells and feats yes once every battle you can do it a day or a daily spell it's not one battle it's actually three or four right battles mm -hmm. so you got to decide is this the battle i want to do it on uh number two out of four or am i going to wait until three out of four it, it's a little bit different resource economy <laughs> but uh... but yeah Well, um, yeah, I would like to get a little uh, comparison between 13th Age Glorantha and Hero Quest Glorantha or Quest Worlds or whatever. Yeah, Quest Worlds. So um, I had the great fortune of playing with Ian Cooper at uh, Chaosium Con, and because I, I'd never quite got my head around Quest Worlds, and uh, it was a very good experience. Uh, the 13th Age Glorantha is a lot crunchier than, than Quest Worlds. You know, there are, you know, just by definition, you have classes, levels, there's all these sort of uh, guardrails and constraints and definitions. You know, the power does this. And Quest Worlds is, is really open. Now, the module that they've put together for Glorantha for Quest Worlds, because Quest Worlds is being designed as a more generic system to, to have sort of packages of of different you know they're going to have a superhero package and a you know space fantasy package and a glorantha package uh they have determined that sort of they do need some definition like the like the the gods and the the uh the powers that that, you, that the gods can use are going to be more defined but uh you know it's sort of a single role system like everything is resolved sort of in the same way and so the narrative is and the flavor which there's there's exists in 13th age Glorantha is the central feature in uh quest worlds it's not a story or it's not a game about fighting monsters <laughs> it's a game about telling the narrative and and having a rich narrative experience in engaging with the world and then with a very simple resolution mechanic you know if the story is 
really central, I think, and that that really light touch rules is what's appealing to you. Then the Quest Worlds is great. I do like a little bit more crunch. <laughs> Uh, and I love the narrative tools that 13th Age and 13th Age Glorantha provides for me. It's a, it's a great dialogue between the, the players and giving them narrative agency within, within the game. But I like to have a little variety in the, the way that mechanics uh, work and the kinds of resolution, you know. I started with Advanced Dungeons and Dragons back in the late <laughs> 70s. And, yeah. you know, that's sort of in my role-playing DNA. And uh, and so while I appreciate the the sort of simplicity of the, the narrative game, and Ian told a beautiful story for us, um, I I would opt to, to, to other systems. But that's the wonder of Glorantha is that it can support so many ways to engage with the material. Yeah. I do feel, however, that the one thing that 13th Age Glorenta and Hero Quest Glorenta have in common is this more magical Glorenta compared to RuneQuest, which is a more, I don't want to say boring Glorenta. More mundane. Uh, more <laughs> mundane Glorenta, yes. Uh, <laughs> then your angry letters to Ludo. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, we, we, we never get angry emails, frankly, uh, so it would be nice to get some. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. What else can we talk about? Uh, you were talking about hero questing. Uh, again, um, this is another game where there are hero questing rules, just like in Hero Quest Clarita and um, not yet in RuneQuest. So uh, talk to us about RuneQuest, uh, hero quests in, um, in 13th Age. And uh, I also want to hear Becca's take on it because hero questing is very specific to Glorantha. It's not something that really exists in other games. Well, or does it? Um, does so, it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so the um, the way that Jonathan and Rob uh, approach this, and they and they have a whole section, you know, maybe one of the first sections of in a published Glorantha, you know, game about how to do hero quests. I, I mean, hero quest Glorantha, of course, did that, but they and they again were in an F twenty environment. Uh, the where dungeon crawling was invented, they conceive of hero questing as myth crawling. That is that you are entering essentially into a a structure which has a series of stations, and it can be conceived of as you're walking through like a dungeon. And if you think of the Lightbringer quest, I mean, it's basically a wilderness adventure that gets you to the dungeon, and then you descend into the dungeon, which is hell, and you go through various levels. You you visit the the only old one's castle, uh, and and you get thrown into the dungeons of the only old one, and then you have to be revived, etc. Until you get down to the lowest levels, whereas you know Yelm's dead court. And uh, have to pass through a series of of tests there, and then finally you have to fight the you know the final boss, which is the devil showing up after being smashed by the block, and uh, you know and and create time and and uh, re- renew the world. So uh, the idea is to, in some ways, conceptually help to help you conceptually put it together like a kind of a dungeon adventure where you have rooms or stations where you encounter different parts of the myth. And I think the interesting thing from, you know, sort of the experimental hero questing uh, that, you know, we get from Arcat that the, the lunars use, et cetera, that the, the, the god learners exploit is 
you know, in certain rooms, you have secret passages that go to other parts of the dungeon or maybe a completely different dungeon. And it's a it's an analogy that works very well to sort of help structure and think about how things work. And also the idea of Jaquaying the dungeon from Janelle Jaquay's, you know, uh, sort of seminal work early on in the F20 space. That's a deep cut there. <laughs> yeah, that there. Yeah, I mean, and very tied to Glorantha, that there are different ways to get to sort of different parts of the dungeon. And so even though there's the sort of linear story of the uh, the hero quest, different things happen. Every every experience of going on the hero quest is a little different or, or potentially different. And so you might, you know, take a side passage and have another experience before you actually get uh, to a place where you might skip a part and you might you might do it a little bit out of order. And so all of that can be sort of conceived of as in this map. Now, you don't have to you know, necessarily use graph paper and make 20 by 20 rooms, et cetera. <laughs> but it can sort of help you, yeah. you know, build the, the visual possibility of, of how the myth maps onto a kind of physical space that uh, that the uh, or metaphysical space that the um, <laughs> that the adventurers are going to uh, experience. You, you you might have to explain uh, what is graph paper, Grandpa. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, Becca, have you um, done Hero Quest in either RuneQuest or Thirteenth Age? Uh, in RuneQuest, yes. Oh okay. So how was it? What was your opinion or experience of it <laughs> it was terrifying um <laughs> was it jm again laughing uh, yes yes um <laughs> yeah uh terrifying um i think that's the first time i cried uh while gaming oh, no. was in the first hero quest it was it was fine uh we survived um okay. <laughs> the next time we hero quested uh i got taken over by the chaos monster uh thing of with many bodies and went back and started eating my tribe one by one. Oh no. So, you know, it went well. So uh, what, what what was terrifying? Was it like the, the stakes of it? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Definitely the stakes. Um, I feel like going on any adventure in Glorantha, if you have a game master who's presenting the world right, everything is important. Um, who you get married to, who you sell your llamas to, who <laughs> like who you talk to and, and form an alliance with, like it's all important. And so all the stakes are high. It feels like all the time. And so then when you do a hero quest and the idea is you need to reseal a box or else your entire clan is going to disappear off the face of this earth. Yeah, the stakes are higher because you entered into the mythic era and since the mythic era the god time has no time if you mess up here it will always have been messed up and if you ruin something now it will always have been ruined and so yeah the stakes rise and so it makes it more terrifying because it's oh no it's not just I came back with less money than I needed and um or we got married to the wrong George over in Swenston. <laughs> but it's oh no, we have always been like this now and we always will be and I messed it up because yeah. I will remember the god time. Oh good. 
<laughs> nice. No, well put. Well, yeah. It sounds terrifying when you put it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the time travel problem, really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So um, one thing, again, that's that's good is there's always advice, like jamming advice all throughout the 13th age books. And so, mm -hmm. again, there is also advice for how many hero quest gifts to give to your players and and again there is at the beginning of the book a whole list of hero quest gifts so again that's already something you, you can plunder for your other games are these also in the character progression uh what do you mean uh, the hero quest gifts are they already part of a character progression they are sort of keyed to how many i think how many uh stations or how like what's the level of the hero quest mm -hmm. and so you you look at you know how many pieces you have and what yeah. was the 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 hero quest difficulty and then you get that and then over there there's like the you know if you're a level six then you should get this sort of gifts like you know one adventure tier gift and one hero uh, champion tier gift or like something like that you know i was asking about whether the gifts were uh, catered to the character classes Uh, they are kit to runes, right? Right. So, um, and the the I, part of the idea of the hero quest gifts are that they essentially replace the idea of magic items in Thirteenth Age. That they do the sorts of things that Thirteenth Age magic items do, but um, which, which are interesting in and of themselves. It's something else that we we haven't had time to talk about. But the, they have a very interesting approach to magic items. So. The idea is that the hero quest gift is tied to a rune that that uh, is is part of you. So you you receive a hero quest gift that is of a rune type that that your character has, and then it has different sort of categories, whether it's like a combat or a defensive or a special power. And uh, typically they have the ability to sort of level up to be in different tiers, the adventurer tier, the champion tier, or the okay. epic tier. And they they both add sort of a mechanical bonus typically and also have a special thing that it allows you to do. Some active uh, ability. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since it's it's classified by rune and by type, so the types are like uh, attack, defense, uh, body, mind, healing, and like exceptional. It's easy for you, like even if you're running a rune quest game and you've got I don't know some uh, humacti who grabs a uh, who succeeds a hero quest or whatever, you can easily go to the you know death gifts and and see if there's any id uh, that jumps from you uh, from the page uh, off note mm -hmm. i really like that there is a very small section about chaos gifts <laughs> and it's yeah you need to grab the book and read it it's also another hilarious little bit from uh, <laughs> from that book i love it yeah. to some degree it's some of the powers or gifts are a bit too similar to rune spells that already exist in RuneQuest. So there's going to be like a chunk that you sort of ignore and you go like, oh yeah, no, that's obviously sort of emulating the same thing that mm -hmm. the rune spells are trying to emulate. So there's no need to copy it. But there's a couple that are sort of fresh enough that I'm like, oh yeah, ooh, I'm going to write that down in my notebook and keep it for later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's worth it, I think. We are 
slowly, uh, well, quickly closing on time. For as far as I'm concerned, one last thing that is worth getting the 13th Age Kilometer book for are the illustrations, actually. Yeah. yeah. There is a bunch of illustrations in there that are unique to that book. I mean, you, there's a bunch that you'll recognize from other books like the guide or the source book. But there are a few that are just unique to the book and they are amazing. Mm-hmm. And because Lorentha is a bit of a unique world and you can't just, you know, grab easily something else to stand in for it. Uh, it's great to have like more references. And um, I mean, the Crimson Bat illustration alone is just worth the, half the price of the book as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. It's just amazing. But anyway, what else would you want to point out from 13th page Colorado, which is worth looking into? Let's start with um, Evan, maybe. I think one of the things that I take from 13th Age and 13th Age Glorantha is uh, their approach to monster design and simplifying it. It, It's a little bit challenging to um, import that to um, RQG, and I haven't experimented with it too much. But the, the great thing about RuneQuest is that everything works the same. And the terrible thing about RuneQuest is that everything works the same. <laughs> um, and, uh, and D&D 5th edition has has that problem too, which is like, okay, here's the monster and they all have the same stats as the player characters and they use all the same spells. And that's really complicated to run. Yes. And 13th Age solves that by, by you know, sort of focusing in on um, some specifics and providing some very clever mechanics um, and a lot of, like, interchangeable parts for monsters. So it's easy to, like, to uh, to mix and match and to reskin and, and things of that nature. I think one of the things that I would point to, and this is a callback to the, my prior appearance, is that... Uh, the way the jam approaches monster design in Jackals, another D100 game, shows you how you could sort of uh, take the design aesthetic in uh, in 13th Age Glorantha and uh, and and take a little bit uh, from uh, of the pages from uh, from Jackals to simplify monsters. Now it means uh, investment up front, but I don't think it's that much harder than you know, statting out an entire group of dark trolls or whatever um, that that you might have to to fight with. Um, so I really like the um, the ease with which uh, monster design and running monsters, uh, even a complex group of like you know four or five different types of monsters uh, in a battle works in uh, in Thirteenth Age and Thirteenth Age Galantha. Yeah, especially because 13th Age also has MOOC rules, and I like yes. a game that has MOOC rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I can't really uh, remember when I last started out a group of monsters, except when I was doing it for a publication in RuneQuest. <laughs> so, yeah, but exactly. That's one of the most annoying things about making a publication for RuneQuest. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, speaking of converting stats and all that, uh, do you have any of you uh, experience with converting material from, for example, a RuneQuest scenario into 13th Age Valenta or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, I think I've done that a, a little bit and I've, I've thought about it a lot. I you know, Of my many 
many projects that are are sitting on the on the, <laughs> on the shelf yep. because I'm working on a very uh, a preposterously huge project. <laughs> is uh, um, I I'd love to run 13th Age Glorantha and Balazar, for example. You know, oh, it's yeah. great great sandbox and would be super super easy to. So you want to, to adapt uh, Griffin Mountain to 13th oh, yeah. Age? Yeah, yeah, hundred nice. percent. Yeah. 100 okay. percent or the new stuff like there's a bunch of stuff that's going to come out on the johnstown compendium of like the updating uh griffin mountain which looks exciting and so sort of the synergy between all of these sources would just be very exciting so mm-hmm. uh becca um do you have anything else that you want to point out that's cool well i was going to say i i haven't ever had to Port from uh, like RuneQuest Glorantha into Hero or into uh, 13th Age Glorantha. But when I have run other 13th Age games, mm-hmm. I have definitely pulled from any of the 13th Age sources straight into the game, um, which is really nice that it's so simple to do. And yeah, like I have brought in some of the um, terrifying things like the Scorpion Men into a 13th age game because i was like i need something that they're not going to expect <laughs> mm, yeah. here's this uh, yes nice. but um and then i was also just going to say both with the 13th age chlorantha and the 13th age core book they're both super nice in that they have everything in one single book um and so you don't have to worry about getting the right book to get the monsters as long as you get the 13th age chlorantha pdf or book it's got the monsters, it's got the classes, it's got the feats, it's got the mm-hmm. adventures, it's it's got it all. And so it's like, oh good, I didn't get the wrong thing. It's all right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 13th Age has a great SRD as well. It is true that that, that to have sort of the full experience of running 13th Age Glorantha, it's very helpful to have uh, the 13th Age core book, but you could get by without too much pain on just the SRD, which mm-hmm. is very robust, you don't have the happy, you know, back and forth and all the uh, additional stuff, which is really an enhancement. But uh, they, they have made that uh, very, uh, very available. But, you know, I suggest getting lots of 13th age stuff because it's just all <laughs> beautiful and and uh, and yeah. uh, provides uh, lots of ideas, um, even if you're not running it straight from from the books. Yeah. Well, if people want to do a bit of 13th age, even like without Clorenta, just uh, looking into, do you have any go-to scenario or a campaign that you would recommend to play play with? That's a great question as I look at all my books. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have a problem. It's fine. I can stop buying books whenever I want. Oh, yeah, I can too. Totally. I just don't want to. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. If you're if you're gonna play any 13th age, even without like getting a campaign, like just picking up the core book will have a few adventures and a giant bestiary to start with. Um mm-hmm. there are two more bestiaries and then multiple books with campaigns that will have their own monsters. Um, but even just the core book will get you started and get you going. Um and explain the world really well. Before people yell at us um, in the next 12 months, however, we need to point out that second edition is coming. It is. Uh, I'm not sure what's the timeline on that. Is it a, it's going to be out when it's ready sort of thing? 
I have a feeling that's the case, yes. Yeah, right. But so, yeah, if you buy the first edition 13th age core rule book and the second edition comes out the week after, don't yell at us. You know, you're warned. Is it backwards compatible enough that yes. 13th age Coloranta will work with the second edition rule book? Yes. Cool. Um, yes. Yeah, there's uh, in the iconic production podcast interviewed Rob Hainsoa about that. And I'm pretty certain as I'm trying to remember however many months ago that was, Rob assured us, if you have the core books, you'll still be able to do anything in second edition. They've changed some of it, and some of the classes do look different, but it's not so wildly different that you would be completely lost or you wouldn't be able to continue to play with it. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just a warning, because you know we're telling people to buy those books, but uh, we should you know tell them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question now i'm like oh now i gotta look up when it's actually coming out because that's, that's a yeah. good question <laughs> uh, yeah. i actually got a 13th age through a humble bundle mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah it's always yeah. a danger uh, that you get this big wall of books yeah yeah humble <laughs> bundle is a good way also to uh to grab a whole bunch of pdfs um cool but anyway um it's been long enough and we should uh briefly re-mention everything that you two do online that people can check out so uh becca where can people find you and what do you do just you know trying to make it through day by day no um <laughs> that's what I, I just i just survived guys i just survived um, you you can hear uh more of my dulcet tones on iconic production you can find us on podcasts, uh, we also have iconicproduction.wordpress, which has all of our shows on it, along with our actual plays. And you can find us on YouTube and Twitch. Um, mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of places to find us. Yeah, just look for Iconic Productions. You'll find mm -hmm. it. And yeah, we're the the dragon icon. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That might not. That might be a bit ambiguous. There's many dragon icons. Well, yeah, but uh, with iconic production and then the yes. dragon, and yeah, yeah. Evan. Uh, yeah. Well, so uh, you can find me hanging around on various iconic production things uh, in the back catalog. I'm in some actual plays. Uh, I've uh, got one, at least one that I ran, uh, which was a 13th Age Clarantha. Uh, game uh, called Rising Moon Rescue, and you will see me again on Exploring Glorantha. Uh, we are on hiatus uh, due to some health issues that my uh, co-host had, but uh, he is on the road to recovery. We wish him a good recovery. Yes, thank you. We appreciate the outpouring from the um, from the community and in, in, in support of him and his family. Mm -hmm. And uh, we will be tackling cults of of uh, RuneQuest uh, in our in our next several shows. Once we get back up and running, those amazing books have started to to come out, and uh, I am trying to uh, read my way through the, the the latest two, which are just uh, astounding. They're they're you know they're they're things that we've been waiting for for years, and and they're they're being delivered. So uh, it's, it's an exciting time. And uh, yeah, that's that's where you'll find me. Cool. And as for me, I should you know advertise my stuff once in a while. This is my podcast, after all. Uh, <laughs> people should uh, grab my two RuneQuest adventures if you haven't yet. Um, a short detour and box struggles. They are both silver bestsellers, so I guess some people like them. And soon you should, well, soon, as in I don't know, in the next 
two months to 10 years, I don't know. Uh, there should be a uh, Telmori uh, one-shot coming out. It's in editing right now. Um, it's my uh, one-shot where you play amnesiac werewolves in Glorantha. <laughs> and following that, uh, still working on that kids campaign, my Goonies in Glorantha uh, campaign, which I'm really hoping to release uh, at some point. But yeah, you can get at least the first two adventures and various other things that I made illustrations in. So um, we'll put some choice links in the show notes. Jörg, any last words? Well, uh, thank, uh, thank you for visiting us, <laughs> giving us some more, uh, or at least me, some better idea what uh, to deal with, with 13th Age and 13G. <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for your time and hoping to see you again on the show somewhere uh, or elsewhere uh, soon. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The God Learners Our website is godlearners.com, where you can find episodes, newsletters, and articles about Glorantha. Reach us via email at collective at godlearners.com or via Twitter or Facebook at The God Learners for any questions or feedback. We are The God Learners. Question everything to the void and beyond.